Hello guys and welcome to the Big Screen Podcast, I'm Will and unfortunately today we have to start on a slight downer. This is not how I usually begin an episode, as our recurring listeners will know, but this is an important statement regarding the future of the channel. Before I introduce the guests today, I have to get this statement out of the way, but I shall edit me saying the timestamp you can skip to if you don't want to hear this short statement. 1 minute and 41 seconds. I have prepared another longer statement about this, but it's not worth my time and this will be the last time I ever address or allude to this person in my work. Michael Wilson has left the podcast by choice, but with immediate effect which I stand by in hindsight because of the vile statements he, a 39 year old, made about me, an 18 year old. I tried to stay professional about this whole situation, not attacking him nor bringing up his flaws, but in doing so he's reacted horridly. You're not getting any promotion from me as all you've done this week is slander me, forgetting the many happy days and recordings we shared. The Big Screen Podcast is still going strong with two videos with person 100 views this past week. For the audience's sake, I intend to release five videos to see out the year and podcast, all of which have been locked in. And for your sake, Michael, move on with your projects too. That's my final word on the situation regardless of any future statements by Michael. And remember, Michael, you are 39 and I am 18. To end with a quote, be sure to taste your words before you spit them out. Because they hurt. Camera on very briefly, please. I, I need to do some adjusting. <laughs> you need to do some adjusting. I need to thumbnail. do some adjusting. Uh, yes. Could you chuck the thumbnail? Chuck, could you chuck the thumbnail? Uh, okay. Chuck a thumb out. Hey, you want me to chuck a thumb? Which <laughs> I was going to say, George, get closer to the mic, but you've got a, a movie mic. <laughs> I just wore that on camera. <laughs> okay. If you just move the uh, microphone into the middle of you. Okay, because yeah, I'm proper like on the edge of his sofa, so I'm like budging up ever so slightly anyway, so. George, sit on his lap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we need to stop. Get uh, comfy. <laughs> yeah, I had a steak and ale pie before this. I swear companies just slap alcohol into food to make it you think it was good. I think like, I've had a steak before this. I, I before mis- every podcast. <laughs> I, mistakenly, I kill a cow. I mistakenly had a steak. <laughs> I just, yeah. Oh. Can you make sure in the thumbnail you get our name in the corner? Oh, yeah, yeah. Of Pippin course. Yeah. Of course, yeah. of course. Which one's which? <laughs> <laughs> I can introduce my guests. Today I'm joined by Connor Esser and Daddy George White. <laughs> did you ask to be? Did you ask to be introduced I don't know, like that? I don't know. I don't know. Is that a sex thing? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's actually George. Okay. How are you guys doing? Okay. Do you uh, still need the camera on? <laughs> oh no, no. You can turn the camera off unless you want it on. Oh cool. <laughs> yeah, so we can do this. We'll turn it off when we talk about last night and so. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, right, about what did you do Smith then? Just, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> we go downtown. <laughs> downtown. You go up his alleyway. Oh, or, you know, you know, depends how dark it is. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I asked, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, good, man. Yeah, <laughs> Lovely. Um, yeah. You sound very we tired. We're on camera. Yeah. So tired of life. Devoid of emotion. Yeah. Oh. It's only going to get worse from here. Oh, thank you. Especially for me. Because, like, yeah. yeah. We'll get there. Uh, being a dad and all, it's hard, isn't it? I don't know yet. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Wait, well, let's not get to the politics of it. Yeah, that's my soul <laughs> leaving my body. Oh. Realizing I can't afford Doctor Who steelbooks anymore. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Instantly yeah, regrets all his decisions. 
Oh dear. I do that every day, Will. Like you're you're saying it like this is a new thing. This is yeah. This is me. Uh, you two have just finished Ooh. recording your own podcast, so I appreciate even more that you took the time to come on. Uh, you're very That's busy, right, mate. Yeah. We're very we busy. All, we all managed to get onto this earlier than we originally planned, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mainly because I, like I just fucking left work early, so I was like, sick. Sod it. Yeah, bye. Yeah. Yeet. Bye. Speaking <laughs> of busy, George popped his cherry and is pregnant. You've always wanted to be cool, Daddy, so you finally decided to make dreams come true, didn't you, George? <laughs> Just... Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I really wonder where this is going. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, that happened. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing that's happening. Yeah. George, when does this come boy? out tomorrow? No, uh, this comes out tomorrow, yeah. Not the baby out here, oh, yeah. but, but this not podcast, time, absolutely. Not nine months time. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. otherwise I'd have to like pretend. Like, yeah. Yeah. oh my God, it's here. And it cries all the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. George, is it a boy, mm. girl, or do you not force upon genders to having children? I would. No, I wouldn't no, force no. upon genders, and also I can't be asked to find out because then it means I don't have to have two parties. I can just have one. I can just. We. I can just pay for the baby shower, and I don't have to pay for a gender reveal. So that's, if that's it's true. a boy, it's why are you call him? Will I blush? Um, we didn't are call him call doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't think you. He's now you're plum. He's called Tony. <laughs> Such an underrated line from Camille Kajuri. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Now, Connor, fantastic. George tells me you've already wanted to come on to one of these things. Ironically, I was going to ask what compelled you to come on to this shit show, Connor. Yeah, why, why do you want to be here? What compelled me? What um, compelled you? Money. Movies. Women. Oh, this. <laughs> Dressing gowns. Yeah, there you go. Oh, well, it's great we to have you both. To do. Let's be real. Yeah. This is the pinnacle of your career. This is the best. Oh, at the minute, mate. At the minute, the whole yeah. YouTube scene hasn't exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. Nowhere, yeah. To, nowhere to go but up from this bottom. <laughs> <laughs> you two, of course, do yeah, the Nerd really. Bible podcast where you do it. Oh yeah, movie reviews. <laughs> Funnily enough, you don't schedule your videos on the same day and time as us, as unlike some people. But regarding the name of the channel, Pasty Sheep or Pasty Sheep? What the hell is it? <laughs> I, do you know? Do you know? What's, do you know what's funny? I surprise I involved in this discussion. I, su I surprisingly get this a lot. So it is because they're both spelled the same way. Um, it is. It is pasty. It's. It's not pasty. pasty. If we if we go into an Iceland line of um, frozen food products, then we can use it, which is the versatility of the name, which is why we like it. Because um, it started. So me and my mate Matt. Uh, who's no longer part of this, but I won't go into that. Who must not be um, Basically, so we um, had an idea to start a YouTube channel for a while, probably since about 2014. We never really got into it until I think 2016 we started doing stuff. And then 2018, obviously, we started this. So there was a bit of a gap. And trying to find a name that we could use, because I did, like, we've always wanted to, like, do <clears> this. And then eventually, you know, we'd get really famous and we'd have it be our production company kind of thing. That's like, the plan. So that's why it's, kind of like a versus like is pasty sheet productions is the whole thing but pasty sheet because i am pale and pasty as you can see from my complexion <laughs> and his yeah. last name was shepherd so then that's how the sheep got into it and then it sort of it gave it an animal thing and just like marketing brain on yeah. it sounded all right yeah <laughs> yeah i wasn't opposed to the name heaven forbid you two ever decide to do merch yeah, That's so the Edgar, yeah. the Edgar Wright fans that I came for a review have now just killed themselves because of boredom. So let's get into oh, the wow. review. 
Wow. Just like this film. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, oh, I mean, it is a very gory film. Oh, I give you that. So, you guys did say off air that uh, you have been talking about this film. So, I will mm-hmm. let you begin. Did. Where, so, did, where did you go up to? Well, we, we, we sort yeah. of, because we've had it, because so, like, because we spoke about, what did we speak about for ages that sort of like we ran for time a bit? Matt more. Smith. Yeah, we, did, oh, <laughs> we talked about how sexy Matt Smith was for a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was fantastic. Well, even when he was like, like, towards the end, he was just like, wow. Yeah, it was Jeez. Jesus, take me, daddy. Um, <laughs> oh, God. So, first things first, if you do want to go from the start, again, it's not going to be like every single minuscule moment, uh, but just the main points, again, the plot points. Yeah. If you've talked about the casting, we'll get into it, but not into much depth because I will link your video when it does come out into the description. When does that come out compared to this? So you'll bring this out, this out tomorrow. tomorrow. Our one comes out Friday. So it's every Friday. The day after. Uh, okay. So if you want to hear their thoughts, go subscribe to them. Pasty Sheep or Pasty Sheep, mm-hmm. however you want to uh, define it. Uh, however you want, but be out one tomorrow. of them is wrong. Yes. Uh, so I did touch upon it in the very previous review, actually, of June. Uh, so I'm going to bring it up again straight away today. I watched the film with IMAX. I'm not sure uh, what you guys watched it on, obviously in the uh, cinema. Was it IMAX? IMAX? Yeah, question no, IMAX. for you, Mr. Turner. Oh. Templar Turner. Templar. Uh, did, you refer, um, <laughs> did you refer to him as Will Turner, the character from Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> I did. I did that one. Really <laughs> nice. I love that film. Um Right, so are you an Odeon guy? Are you Cineworld? Again, this isn't a shameless ad, but we want to know because us Cineworld customers only get to watch it in 2D and you saw it in IMAX. What? View. A view. Come out of nowhere. Oh. It's always a view. RKO. A, place. Mm. Yeah. a view. Yeah. Oh. Or did you just think I was poor? Oh, oh I, I, just, I, just, I was like uh, really I rich. I didn't really, no, like, no comment. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was in IMAX, so you guys watched well, it in Well, yeah, it's in fucking IMAX. Oh, I'm going to start going view. God, you well, should. The you should. We, where's the closest one to us? Like London? No, Enfield? Is yeah, there one in Enfield? I don't know. There's one in Westfield. Yeah. Well, well you've I mean, just docked all right, it's yourself. Worked. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was going to say, as we know, it's far superior to the standard screen, but I guess you'll beg otherwise because you guys actually prefer this film over me. So it... But yeah, I, I believe... You... It in I wondered, was it... How yeah. did it look? Mm. It looked superb. And the audio, as I'm going to touch upon in a minute... What's fun? <laughs> it's the best utilization of IMAX this year in film. I've seen June. I've seen Venom, which ha- also has an amazing IMAX. But this just shits on all the films I've seen. No Time to Die also had good IMAX. But the thing is, June is very flat in terms of that respect, even though it is Hans Zimmer. But Last Night in So has more experimental sounds, which I do think you'd have um, been able to notice Wacky. even yeah, without the sure. IMAX. Yeah. And it sounds like they were meant to go hand in hand with the visuals to make you feel a certain way as opposed to most soundtracks that are only there to lift was otherwise lacking screenplay. That wouldn't have the same effect if it had like an average run of the mill score. And that's just a compliment to not only um, the visuals of Edgar Wright, which is very variety in terms of, you know, uh, isms of a director. Edgar Wright is always like go mad in the final act. And that's exactly what happens in this film as well, I'd say. Yeah, he's very much an escalation guy, isn't yeah. he? He's, it's escalate, escalate, escalate. What the fuck? Big quiet. And, yeah. and then it just ends. It like, does, yeah. But I like that. I love how he sort of... Mm. And also, like, not to like spoil the end, but like he can basically say, like, yeah, go for it. like, you could have more of this, but it also, like, if you didn't, you wouldn't be disappointed. No. Yeah. No. I, I was going to say, it, it was very quick, and I was talking to Luke, my friend, yesterday, and he said something along the lines of, 
it doesn't need a sequel, whereas I do think it has potential for a sequel. Like, there's oh, a lot of things is, you can do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I not to spoil our own video because I'm sure we've got to promote our content one way or another. But like I of said, course. there was one plot point. Having seen it twice, there was one plot point nearer to the end, but obviously referenced at the beginning, which we'll get to. Which yeah. I thought would have more of a punch at the end, and I thought it might mean it going into the climax. I thought it might have meant more. But like I said, when we actually get into it, you'll find out what that is. But Absolutely, in, absolutely. Even in the last minute, they bring it up, and I thought, uh, and then it kind of, like, say, she, boop, and it was like, oh, okay. But other than that, one feeling of personal build up and payoff, mm, other than yeah. one plot point, I was kind of like, yeah, this movie's a 10 out of 10. But it was yeah. one thing throughout the whole movie, which I thought was going to be very yeah, appropriate. I agree, I agree with you, but I think even, yeah. I think even that doesn't stop it being a- like a perfect movie. That's just me. Yeah, yeah. that's just yeah. We're gonna have to go for about two hours to get to the threshold of like the normal episode recording, like duration. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Okay, so what was the question? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, the audio in last night in Soho. Any memorable moments for you? Um, for me, for me, I think I don't know if it's the same for you because you really watched Baby Driver today. Yes. Um, he yes. he's very much a he. Edgar Wright is a very sort of soundtrack based director as well. Like the normal score is great, but I also love how he also incorporates <laughs> the soundtrack into the score and uses yes. that to sort of push the motivation of the scene. I like how it sort of all blends into one glorious kind of sound, and just the songs are just sort of the sort of like the tip of the iceberg for like how the scene is trying to make you feel. I like how the songs are used mm. effectively as well as just the noise in general like he's like we've kind of said earlier as well like he uses all, everything you've just said he uses because he has so much attention to detail whether it is through the soundtrack and the sound or the visuals like baby driver slightly when Ansel Elgort was walking like in the streets and stuff and the lyrics are on the graffiti and on the poles and stuff as he's walking down and the song is like in beat with his movements and yeah, he's the very lyrics good. Yeah, are you get a bit of that as well, like the editing in in, so, in, 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 in yeah. the beat, because I I like how he sort of has become like his editing. I think he's more known for the like the way he edits the scene yes. rather than yeah, absolutely. Like cinematography wise, he can sort of smash it and he gets like amazing shots. But it's the way he makes it like even a mm. static shot can mm. pop and be vibrant by the way it's edited in. Like I yeah. like all the yeah. things he does with that. I was literally in university the other day and we were talking about directors for like a project we're doing and every almost every single person mentioned the editing when talking about Edgar Wright and I just thought, bloody hell, I didn't realise he was that popular and especially for the editing and then they gave examples from like uh, Shaun of the Dead where I'm not sure of yeah, the character's name yeah. but Simon Pegg's character where he's getting ready for <laughs> the day and he's like really fast cuts to like the brushing the teeth putting clothes in yeah. bag or whatever to go off to... Or was that Hot Fuzz? I'm not sure. One of the Cornell. Um, I think he does it in trilogy. both, yeah. Like, because he talks yeah. about making like mundane stuff, yeah, sort of like montage Yeah, montage shots, interesting. Whether it's brushing your teeth, slamming your paper down, putting toast on your plate, he does make it poppy and visually appealing and snazzy and quick. Like, that's just his style. And, he did, yeah. Yeah, he sort of, and yeah. I like how he sort of maintains that with everyday stuff in this. Like, mm. the yeah. way, like when she's. Um, I think like the be- I, I like the whole beginning shot as well, like with her with in her dancing um, in, 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 in her paper, paper dress, dress or whatever, yeah. yeah. Mm. And sort of the I, the shot changes like to as the music changes as well, like not yes. like at a fast pace, but sort of like as the music's building, like the shots are sort of getting a bit like jankier and faster and things. Speaking like that. of the music in that scene, I, uh, speaking of the audio as well, did you guys find that a bit quiet initially? 
because I found that scene was a bit too quiet, you know, before the film starts, especially in IMAX. Yeah. Again, you won't know, but uh, uh, it's yeah. very loud. It's very bombastic. But then last night in Soho comes on and there's no like vibrations. It's just flat, I guess. And, uh, and that, yeah, me, that's all stuff because it's, it starts in the dark, doesn't it? So then it like builds into the scene. So um. Mm. It sort of it didn't really feel, I get what you mean because but I was in just watching it in peasant 2D in a very I was in a very small screen anyway so like yeah peasant, peasant 2D peasant 2D because yeah. I was in a small screen so I got sort of more of the sound naturally anyway because there was about a smaller room. Fi- mm-hmm. like 5 to 10 people in the room and it was a small screen anyway so if yeah. I'd have been in IMAX I probably would have paid more attention to that yeah. just because like mm. obviously the sound is fucking you think it might help though if you're in a smaller room you've got oh no it's the sound's got less room to travel not to get all scientific in Doctor Who like but you know less room to the sound to travel and stuff because you've been there with less people when you're in a smaller room don't you think it, it could have I ironically like, that's an example of the best scene in the movie oh I have to say it to you because it goes around the whole cinema screen uh, there's this one moment you know the disorientating scene where she's trying to look for an exit out of like the club or whatever yeah. and then she's going to look oh, and she can't find the shot. basically yeah. the audio was going around the entire thing of like the noises around her and then like if there's something happening behind her there was something towards the back of the screening as well as like to the yeah. left to oh, the front wicked. and then it was just like the music goes round whilst you hear all the sound effects over it from every single different direction and it was edited so Uh, superbly so not one thing overlapped so it sounded beautiful Mm. and that's why I really didn't feel like you were spinning with her kind of thing disorientated as well yes and that brings me to my point earlier audio roller coaster with her that's pretty cool like Mm. the actual sound effects complemented the already fantastic screenplay because I think the screenplay could have worked without the music but the fact that they also had the sound effects and the music it was phenomenal and I can imagine it was the same for you guys but it just didn't have that same effect oh yeah it's a great scene though peasant died peasant too yeah it was just like (laughs) just out of the two fucking speakers like where it normally comes no but uh, that's Mm. that's quite cool the fact that the attention to detail on like that thing of the screening like in that moment you feel like you're in that shot because he's mm. very good at sort of like the motion like whether it takes naturally in the shot like what occurs or the way it's edited together it makes you feel like you're sort of moving with the film yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like the whole yeah. thing with uh, the duvet coming over yes like it sort of like sort of throws you under and sort of almost shrouds you and then when like she when she pushes away and they do away, that several times like, yeah because because it's almost like a dream you have isn't it where you feel like you're just sort of getting further and further away from something and then it just sort of then cuts and don't then you're just towards the light yeah yeah. yeah i don't die well, yeah. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> it's very like anxiety inducing kind of because there is a moment exactly like that where yeah. she just chucks the duvet under uh over the camera and then it just fades out and it's just like oh my god the anxiety i'm feeling right i don't suffer from anxiety but i just felt it in this now film many <laughs> more times and like when i came out of the film i thought this is the Edgar Wright film that's going to be remembered for the most amount of time just because of how it deals with like mental health stuff well because I think they're strong yeah, there's, yeah, like, yeah. schizophrenia yeah. and stuff sure yeah. yeah I didn't really actually think we didn't mention it or think about it really no you would but when you think about it it is you know actually talking about real world issues which he's yeah, never yeah. sort of really done it, exactly before. that's what I was trying to get yeah. we didn't think we didn't talk about it in our thing like yesterday three months ago wherever we did our video tomorrow but then 
I didn't think about it when I was watching it both times. So yeah, that's a good, very, very good, good point. Very good I didn't observation. Really, yeah, it, it, observation. Yeah. Yeah, like Edgar Wright is personally very hit or miss for me. <laughs> um, but I did like Hot Fuzz a lot, really? but not so much Shaun of the Dead. Uh, admittedly, these are the only two films I've seen of his. To be fair, I have Wait, to watch so which more. Ones? Shaun, uh, of, Shaun the of the Dead, which I found found very uh, mediocre, yeah. and then Hot Fuzz, which I thought was great. Yeah, Hot Fuzz for a lot of people seems to be like the sleeper hit of that trilogy. Have you? You haven't seen World's End yet. I haven't seen World's End. No. Oh, you have seen it now. Okay. I so haven't. The thing I haven't. Me, I, haven't I, I haven't. Oh, you haven't. Yeah. I, th- no. I think like this because you're much younger than us old folk. Basically, <laughs> like I found for me, because uh-huh. I'm, I'm. Turns like, out I'm about fifty. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Turns on the camera, he's like just dead. Um, 31, 31. You're not so, 31. Basically... Holy shit. He's not. He's younger 25. than me. 24, if that. <laughs> well, actually, you're not far off. If I genuinely shaved, I'd look younger than you. Wow. Okay. It's, the, re- it's the reason that doing the podcast, I had to start attempting to grow facial hair just so I didn't look that much younger. People thought he was my dad. <laughs> I was gonna say I was surprised. I was surprised about the pregnancy announcement because I was like, "Isn't this guy about 20? And I just thought, "Fair enough. You do look very young." <laughs> I, I, for, the, for those keeping score at home, I'm 25. Well, um, if we're not friends, born... it runs in the family. <laughs> you're you're 23. Aren't you? he, he you're 23. Yeah, I am 23. Yeah. Yes, he he's older than me. Yet he looks like when I'm 40, this is gonna pay off. Oh, and that's what when I'm 35, this will pay off. Oh, this but moisturizer. Still with facial hair. I can't go back to being until 12. Matt Smith makes us suck someone off in a nightclub. Then it's I, all good. Um, speaking of see, Matt that was getting, Smith, that's a segue getting back on track. Yeah, speaking of Matt Smith, uh, have you guys seen any of his other villainous roles in other movies? Like I've seen, uh, what's the one where he plays Charles Manson? Uh, Charlie Says, I believe it is, where he plays the serial uh, killer. I, I wanted to see that. I've not I've seen it. I've been meaning to check that one out as well. I, there was a serial mm. killer phase at work where everyone, movie everyone wise, was, everyone was like, oh, oh, but in the movies, yeah, just to clarify, not in real life, but everyone yeah, was yeah, like, have you seen Ted B- the Zac Efron Ted Bundy thing? Uh, Matt Smith, Charles Manson. Uh, and I didn't check none of those. People kept running up to you shouting, Matt Smith is Charles Manson. <laughs> <laughs> in the film they were just and he's also blazing in the film ethically I was just like <laughs> writing my notes man. earlier and I was like oh the scene at the end where uh, Matt Smith's being stabbed is really realistic and I was like how would I know if it's realistic or not that makes me sound like a psychopath so I thought I'll scribble that one out <laughs> but you said it anyway so it's cool it's not like this is on I, the internet I didn't, um, I didn't want anyway. that in there uh, I, but yeah you said you I think his it. best Role as a villain is the guy that takes down the whole Terminator franchise in Terminator Genesis. Terminator Genesis the physical yeah. embodiment of the franchise in Skynet. And it, I'm like so glad that I didn't get a sequel. So he got the bigger role in the second film that he was meant to have. Yeah, if it was originally, oh, wow. yeah, because the way it was originally, like if it had tur- Genesis had turned out good, and if, Jai, yeah. and if Jai Courtney could act in something that wasn't Suicide Squad related, then it probably would have happened. But um, yeah. Do you did you um? I mean, this is a Matt Smith. This is related to Matt Smith. But did you will ever see the interview that he did in regards to Star Wars? Um, I actually read about that the other day. He was meant to be in it, and then something. Yeah, didn't, you like, know who he was meant to be. I, I did not know. I was it? I don't. He he was Big so first. Rise of Skywalker. Spoilers. Ray is a Palpatine. <gasps> Oh my god! Oh my god! No way! What? So I thought she was a. He's doing his best Macaulay Culkin impression that we currently. So, Matt, so Matt Smith was in talks to be in it. Like he got to the, he was talking with Lucasfilm. Yeah. There was concept art. There was a plan because he was gonna, as he put it, 
basically be sort of a great character in terms of it very important to Star Wars lore and mythology, et cetera, et cetera. And it yeah. was, he was going to be a Palpatine. Uh, I was going to guess a younger Ian McDermott, like yeah. a young Emperor Palpatine. I, I, yeah. Like either him as the, like, mm. the cloning process or like mm. actual like relation Maybe in a relation to like something akin the, to that bloodline. He the was face of Snoke. The face of Snoke. <laughs> he would have been how he could have got. And the he's been smoke, so right? unlucky so. when it comes to the big screen roles, honey. Like he was meant he to be in meant to be in Star Wars until this year, where he's really no. like taken off with a couple of films like Morbius. It's Game right, of Thrones, when this. Morbius comes out in a couple of months' time, he'll be right back at Max the fucking Smith bottom season, again. Maybe let's go. <laughs> Absolutely, like I'm a big fan of this, and like to actually see him do mm. well on the big screen is fantastic. Like he's my favorite Doctor. I'm not yeah. sure about you guys. I like seeing actors that I love doing well in things. It's why like. Not TV just to come from, film. not yeah. just to come from the yeah. same show, but like Tennant sort of had that thing as well, where he, if I think he could have gone the Matt Smith route of just picking roles, but they were the wrong thing. I think that's what Matt got trapped into was yeah. mm-hmm. just like I want to do this and branch out, which is fine as an actor to go and like try and not pigeonhole yourself. And I think yeah. in t- instead of actually looking at this objectively, saying is this a good story? Do I want to be in it? Whereas mm-hmm. David became very good at like. I I want to do things that I would be happy to go and see myself. If you get what yeah. I mean, yeah. that's why I think because he, he was so desperate to prove himself as I'm not just this character. And he's but the not, thing he's is, a phenomenal actor. Will Tennant be remembered as well as Matt Smith will be because I was having this conversation the other week, and I thought I think Matt Smith will become a more iconic actor than David Tennant just because of the big bigger roles Smith is getting now if he continues this trend of getting bigger and bigger roles if, in the next couple this, of years yeah. if this can increase his trajectory yeah. yes yeah. I, I completely agree with you but also the fact that <clears throat> yeah he wanted to do a comic book movie and stuff like like the game I think the Game of Thrones thing is really going to swing it in his favour yeah. yes the whole prequel yeah. but I think something in the immediate future that could affect him is Morbius because uh-huh. that whole if they promote franchise's it. situation in terms of the fucking the contract's just a big fucking it mesh wire mess. of shit yeah, I mean, it makes Warner yeah, Brothers look like as well. at least yeah. an organised company I wouldn't call them saints because I mean they're just in a load of shit themselves but like you yeah. know yeah, but like he's, he's in a place with that where that <laughs> could also undo the good work that he's doing kind of thing and I do yeah. I do think he is the crown really did fucking strike up Wonders a chord with thing. Yeah, absolutely. With um, fans of him. Like it brought a lot of us that just like that's Matt Smith and we love him in Doctor Who and it took it it brought a lot of new people into that. This will very much do the same. Yeah. Mm. I'd like to see him in more small stuff before then going and getting his rightful place. Because you could totally see him in something like uh, not written by JK Brown, obviously, but like Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> sure. Absolutely, yeah. I could yeah. yeah. Eddie Redmayne this. based that whole performance off of him. Like I won't, I will not, I will refuse to believe that Eddie Redmayne didn't watch The Doctor's Wife and then think that's what that's I'm going to do at my audition for Luke's okay. Commander. Uh, I'm not sure who directed it, but the director of Lost River, like Matt Smith's first acting role after Doctor Who, he actually saw Ryan, the Ryan Gosling, Gosling, yes, Ryan Gosling. Gosling, of course. He saw the Pandorica open speech where he's on like the little rock on Stonehenge and he's talking to all the spaceships. Is that why uh, that that weird that's, speech? That's thing, where it come about. Yeah, I think he was on top of a car oh, or whatever. That's a very yeah, confused movie. movie. I haven't seen it, but I know of it. He's I, good I, in it. Yeah, yeah. But that film, to me, does not make sense unless I am Ryan Gosling and I know what the I fuck make, I'm meant to do. I make things, <laughs> yeah. I am Here's a question. Things. Yeah. It's last night in Soho, Matt Smith's career best performance, would you say? 
I in mean, terms, in terms of everything, question, yeah, I would out say. of everything I've seen him in, possibly yes, yes, mm. it's it's layered, it's. It's it's over the top, but also very subtle in what he does. I think this is Matt Smith can the be very role that's given him. This. Yeah, he's he's got range in this thing. Like the way he starts off being all nicey nice and like like I'm Jack. I'm like the dashing, sexy yeah, hero manager that's going to get you a job. Like, yeah, I got yeah. I got you mm. this. Yeah, like even the way he runs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I got yeah. you this audition. Like everything's fine and rosy, and then it's like this is the real world, and then you get him, and then you get the reprieve at the end of the fact that like you know like yeah he was where he ends up. Like I don't know if we're going to say that, but yeah, but like yeah, and then the sure. fact that all all of the all of the ghosts are just sort of like yeah they were horrible people, but also it's like it's the justice side of it, and just like mm-hmm. that it's a real. It's a real weighty part when you think of it, like the way it's written and the way he like because he elevates like we we've known since fucking like series seven he can yeah. he elevates whatever you put in a script and the fact that you're teaming him with Silver. probably one of the one yeah those kids fuck them um, <laughs> you're t- you te- you're teaming him with one of the best storytellers of oh, this, generation. this generation generation yeah ever and like I think they fuck they work wonders there and I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Smith. And Edgar Wright work together again. I hope so. Like, I really hope so. Yeah, like, uh, I've yeah. got my fingers crossed as well. Because he hasn't really used regulars. No, he no he since doesn't. No. like because Baby Driver was a departure from sort of like the regular people that he worked with. It was a lot of people like he's become. I want to work with this person, so I'll put them in this film. I'd like him to become. I'm not saying the main character in every Edgar Wright film, but I'd love to see at least more yeah. Edgar Wright stuff with Matt Smith. Reoccurring collaborators, yeah, yeah, in the future, yeah. Because Maybe it's like Scorsese and DiCaprio, for example, like them two. Yes, uh, with Smith. That that yeah. could be cool. And like like Nolan with. Um, Christian Bale, Christian Bale, Kenny oh, Murphy, Christian Bale, yeah. Gary um, Oldman, Gary Oldman, and uh, who the fuck am I thinking of? Who am I thinking of? Tom Hardy. Yeah, blimey, yeah. that's a good Yeah, Tom Hardy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad that piece officer oh, at the end didn't turn out to be Jack, like an older Jack, because to me they look nothing alike. And I just thought, please don't tell me this is going to be Jack when he's old, because no, yeah, also, where are yeah, the ears? Where are, was... Why are the eyebrows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he'd have done a Matt Smith impression, because it's sort of set up like that, isn't it? Because it's like Connor says, like has said to me, is like it starts off as like it feels like a very different movie before it gets into the horror aspect of it. Legit, you mm. walk into it thinking, is this the right film? Like whether people, casual cinema goers that even don't watch peasant two D movies like us, that, go, that literally are bored and they go, oh, I like a horror film. Let's go and watch it, and they will probably go into it thinking. Is this the film we saw advertised the other night? Like, what is this? Like, if couples go and watch it, they'll be like, yeah. is this the right film? And they'll be like, oh, oh, oh God. Like, <laughs> they'll feel it by the end. But of course, you'll be like, is this the right film? I, I was like that. Act. I don't know about you guys, but I personally did not know a thing going into this. I went into okay. it almost completely blind, metaphorically, of course, uh, which I read was the best yeah. way to approach the film, uh, like without a trace. I don't recommend I watching a film with your eyes closed in general. No. Uh, no. Well, there were some moments in this scene in this film where I got a bit scared, and I just have to, you know, put the hands over my eyes. But uh, other than that, yeah, hey, that's again, some of that. I don't it's like horror, like... so yeah. You know, my technique is literally to stare at the camera and kind of blink, blink, <laughs> blink. You just blink awkwardly, and then I'll get you through it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm exactly the same. Uh, but yeah, about Edgar Wright quickly. I'm not a fan of horror or comedy. 
but I am a fan of drama more so. So when I was actually watching yes. this, I thought, okay, this is his attempt to like a quote unquote proper film. As much as comedies are proper films, of course. I did like how Wright took a turn for his filmography uh, collection this time around. Yeah. And it's something I really appreciate, even if he did go nuts towards the end, as he always does. Uh, this leads me yeah. to a question for you both. Uh, what do you guys think of Wright's filmography as a whole? Because, of course, I haven't seen much of it. And his genre shift for Last Night in Soho, how did he do? Well, I, I just want to say, I don't think there's a weak film in his slate at the minute. Out of the I'll, six feature-length films, there isn't a weak film in his slate. I mean, all right, mm. the comedy Cornetto trilogy stuff is subjective as to which one will appeal to you. Like, you think Sean the Dead's mediocre. Like, 90% of the population won't agree with you, but hey, kid, you're on I, your I, own. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> um, Hot Fuzz... It didn't wow me, but since I've rewatched it, it is becoming like the sleeper hit out of the trilogy. And then World's End, like, don't mean to poop on the World's End, but it feels... It's the most divisive. Hot Fuzz isn't the the sleeper hit, like I was alluding to earlier. Like, Shaun of the Dead has that problem, is it was sort of our generation or most people's first DVDs they owned, which is why everyone's everyone's seen it so much, which is why I think people then went on to Hot Fuzz, because Hot Fuzz was fucking massive when I was in school. And like mm, everyone mm. was watching it, and it is still funny. And it out of it's the fu- it's probably the funniest. As I've gotten older, it's definitely for me the funniest now. Hot fuzzies. I right. think um, Shaun of the Dead was my favorite at the time. That's um, yeah. my favorite, but I think the best made one is The World's End because he's like the gap between Hot Fuzz and World's End. He's done yeah. Scott Pilgrim versus the World in that, which and of course, was, yes, that's and, another yeah. And classic, yeah. World's End, I think, is so elaborate. Like under this, like there's so much little things boiling under the surface. Just the start of him, just sort of almost like opening his brain synapses up and being like, "This is the sort of storyteller I'm going to become." Because he's progressed. Like the Connecticut trilogy kind of put him on the map and was kind of his starting point. Of course, yeah. And everything was a comedy film with like Shaun the Dead is a comedy film in a in horror, horror movie yeah. like surrounding yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. same as like the buddy cop aspect and then like world's end is the only one that's not subjectively just a comedy because there's mm-hmm. more sci-fi shit and stuff going on under the surface and it sort of it starts the sort of build of everything he's doing because of that mad ride that scott pilgrim is as well he's almost getting like yeah. down the danny Boyle route do, of, like, do you think of because of like next. the different route he's went down for this film is why it's so divisive not divisive because a lot of people like it but not as it's not as beloved as I like think it's gonna be less well received isn't it i don't yeah. know why I, I honestly don't know because i really like because this i think people... i think he's the second best that i've seen yeah from him oh yeah i and i think it's the entrapments that as much as the cornetto trilogy afforded him it's almost trapped him to, 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 to some people's yeah. close-mindedness of like they want him to do comedy. the comedy stuff Which is with the other stuff around it and they think he should only this, do yeah. that but genre wise mm. i think he's capable of anything and i think years down the line will be like when if we look back at his filmography like there won't be a single genre that he can't do no it, it legit, makes me yeah, wish yeah. we'd have got his ant-man film like that's because mm. a lot of the story still remains how would it have looked it would have definitely been a lot more self-contained, but I would not say no to an Edgar Wright James Bond movie. Oh, yikes. Uh, maybe not Ooh. now, but I'd love to see him do like yeah. an autobiography Five just to keep to six him contained years in the future. To see if he can do like a autobiography just so he doesn't like go on a massive acid pie at the end of each film. Because you can't do that in an autobiography. Or maybe he. But do you know what? Can. I think he would be really good at doing the sort of the autobiographies of the, of the nutters that went through some shit. 
Like if he did, like he would do mm. a really good Alice Cooper one. Yeah. Like he would like yeah. Yeah. balls to the wall. The hallucin, like the hallucinations from the drugs, would be fucking real. And if you told me he directed The Great Gatsby, I would believe you. Yeah, yeah there's, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of mm. inspiration. I think he said he's at the point now where he's inspiring cinema itself, and I think that's a testament for someone that's only really made six feature films. And like, yeah. I know the that's incredible. That he did this year. Considering like, he's he got six features, it's incredible his track record. Yeah, yeah, it's 100% hit rate. I think it's is very much the British Tarantino, but not up his own ass. And yeah. I think he's so yeah. humble and so of of us. Like he is just he's just a normal bloke a who fan. loves films. Who, yeah, and he loves yeah. to he essentially loves to make films mm. that he would go and see if he saw if he saw last night in Soho's trailer. He'd think, yeah, I'd go watch that. Absolutely, yeah, that's the yeah. whole point. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We talked about Smith. Uh, let's just go through the cast quickly. Eloise, played by Thomas and McKenzie. I have got that wrong a few times in other calls. Is that the right pronunciation? Thomas and McKenzie. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I, Thomas, I've, I've Thomas and McKenzie. Thomas yeah. and McKenzie. Yeah. yeah. YouTube. I, I love the little interaction she has with her grandma. Like, all, all the men in London yeah. are going to get to me. And then it, it turns out to be true. And then I guess it's just like the elderly Poor always know best, which is why you're right. And I'm Poor wrong shadowing. about everything because you all guys are just ancient. But yeah. <laughs> what were we yeah. talking about? Oh, I'll move this Thomas on. McKenzie. I'll move How the hell has anything got to do with Thompson McKenzie? <laughs> <laughs> the first transition into the dream, you think it's a dream, but it's the, like the past thing. It's played off as like, this is like all in her head. And the mirror switch with the flick between her and Anya Taylor-Joy mm. is oh, seamless yeah. and beautiful. And the attention to detail to even have the reflection of Thomas and McKenzie in like the stairwell bit as the camera focus isn't on her, like the camera focus is yeah. on the Scylla Black and then you see Anya Taylor-Joy and then the reflection is still Thomas and McKenzie. That is yeah. just some fucking attention. That was super. Yeah. There, is, there is a scene just before that as well where it kind of introduces the whole concept of the mirrors and you can see both yeah. actresses at the same time. And I read, well, I saw an interview and I heard an interview where Edgar Wright was actually saying that the two actresses were actually there at the very same time and doing that scene. So it wasn't actually yeah, like, like a mirror, mirror it was just, acting. Yeah, I, I've read mirror and watched the same thing. Yeah, yeah mirror acting. Yeah, they and actually I just copy thought, each other's Jesus mannerisms on the spot. Christ. Yeah. And I think I found yeah. that out uh, before I watched the film. So when I did eventually watch the film, I was just blown away like, oh my God, they're actually both there at the same time. Of course, not in the other scenes. Mm. Yeah, like when they're going down the stairs, of course she's not there. Otherwise, that is literally impossible. Uh, but the Trippy, scene where they're both there. Yeah. Um, another great film there, Inception. Yep. Yeah. What do you guys think of Anya Taylor-Joy? cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Anya Taylor-Joy as Sandy. Oh, I'm just going to skip to the end of the film just to uh, bring a scene where she is in because we have talked about the mirror scenes and whatever. And uh, we will talk about the ballroom dance, like the one take, quote unquote. It wasn't a one take, but that it, was the, really good. The one that. take. That, that was, was fucking superbly scene. done. Beautiful. Yes. Even though Matt Smith was dancing like he was a pissed uncle at a wedding, it was good. <laughs> but that, that was the point. He, to be fair, he was pissed and he was smoking. So God knows how the, he felt. The only, the only thing that could have made that scene better was if he did the drunk giraffe. Oh, the drunk giraffe. He has Half a sexy, a murderous look in his eyes. He does it. <laughs> Do the drunk draft or you will be shot. Oh, a knife will go into your gut. But yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, I was going to say this to the end, but I'm really intrigued to know what you think. Um, the ending scene. 
where she comes back after yes. the very brief, like, oh, she's in this ambulance. And then, oh, she's finished her first year of uni. And then she uh, goes back and her mother's not in the mirror. But it's actually, um, what's she it? She sees her for Sandy. a minute, doesn't she? And then she goes. Yeah. yeah. And then Sandy comes there, and back. And then she like yeah. smiles. Is that meant to be a nice ending, or is that meant to be like a I'm a haunt you forever ending? I think it's your a, soul is mine. I think it's a nice <laughs> thing of like it's it's a nice rare thing of the audience's imagination kind of lets it's you, open like, to interpretation. Yeah. It's, it's like still, a Titanic yeah. is Rose dead moment. Well, yeah, because my yeah. grandparents, yeah, yeah, I went with them, dead. and they She's had no idea. Obscenely fucking old. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. She, um, she I I think it I think it comes back to the uh like what we said earlier like it's also a thing of like because nowadays everything's like is it gonna have a sequel when's the next one coming out like this in a normal Hmm. in a normal film that wasn't an edgar wright film or Mm. like it's essentially a smaller studio film you'd think well that's them setting up the sequel but it's like this is a thread of like you don't need more of this but that's just so you know that she's still out there and she's still in her head yeah and like if they ever did come back to which i hope they don't like that's a story you could tell, but it just it sort of leaves you on it mm. leaves you on a cliffhanger, and you don't know if you're ever gonna. Get probably, you'll probably not. never find out what happens. I think there's enough in this about. film to make it a satisfying, like whole. Like in ten years' time, if you rewatch it, I think you'll be like, uh, "Did that need a sequel? Maybe not." I still really enjoy it. Last night, but I just felt like it was so <laughs> bloody abrupt and like rushed. Like I would have absolutely sat through like an extra twenty minutes of just like establishing where she went like in the hospital maybe have some moments in the hospital with her like recovering have her go through like university first year have like a redemption arc or whatever have some recovery time but then you go straight to the end and i think ah because it would have either had to have ended at the end of her in the hospital and like her nan getting there because you wouldn't have wanted to watch like another 20 minutes of almost like a slow montage of her getting better and going back to uni it was yeah. a thing of the way that it opens with the door and it makes you think, fuck, Sandy's still alive. But then it's like, oh no, it's the fashion show. And then it sort of almost gives you the false illusion. It's like the false hope of a decent ending. And then it's mm. like, hit the stinger is that, oh no, like now Sandy's in her head as well as her mum. But that's the one plot point which I thought for me personally, where I thought was it was going to have a bit more payoff. Like, I don't know particularly if I wanted 20 more minutes of the mum having a bit more of a plot, explanation plot. Not, I not the mum, no. I'm sorry. What? I no, mean, not, to not the mum. Not the mum having plot like Sandy. Like have some not an explanation to Sandy, but just like have Eloise. I believe that's her name. Have her character build up yeah, as opposed Louise. to a subplot for the mother. And what, what I was getting at was, we found out that her mum like was you know committed crazy and committed suicide and whatever. And then as the plot escalates and you find out like you know and you're Sandy and. Mrs. Miss Collins isn't exactly who she is and stuff. And then they, they allude to, oh, you're just going to go crazy and commit suicide. I was thinking, is that going to somehow link more? And is the mum going to like yeah, interfere you, somehow? Or? The, the mum's almost teased as a thread that you think is going to be like, That's, she's going to go back and sort of like find out how her mum was murdered by accident That's through these I, ghosts. Exactly. Like That's she wasn't was actually thinking. crazy. It was a conspiracy and yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. Blah. That's, I was just personally expecting more of the mum, like right from the first five minutes when you're in the bedroom at Miss, um, you know, the grandma's house and everything. And they talk about the mum and you're like, oh, you, you're not seeing her. And he's like, no, I'm fine, gran. And then you see her. So I'm thinking, oh, is she going to be more hmm. of a presence? Perhaps some and influence, at the end, but yeah. But, but the yeah, kind that of, was my only does. Sorry, if anything, that would be my only sort of nit- personal nitpick criticism where I kind of felt 
they were going to do more of that, more with her at mm. least, and more for the plot. But then they kind of didn't, and that's where I was sitting there. Even the last minute, when you see before you see standing in the mirror, and you see she's like, she's talking to her mum briefly, and she's like, "Oh, I did it, mum. Like, uh, you know, I made it." And you know, she doesn't like, You're like doing it, mate. The mum doesn't. Yeah, the mum doesn't say anything in the mirror. I think it's excellent, and whoever the actress is, yeah, well done. You got paid for not saying a single word. But that's why I, was, I thought it was going to have more weight in that last moment, and even if it ended with the mum, but then in mm. my mind, it would have been, what did the mum have to do with it, really? I mean, I know she's like, always with her. Yeah. But well, for, for other movies, to- you have like these phone calls to the Gran, and as she's like really struggling, mm-hmm. and she like has to dig deep, and the Gran always mentions the mother. So I think there is like a subcontext theme that is overlaid, and then like at the end, yeah. she sees—I believe she yeah. sees her mother—and that's when you got the like, oh, she's finally succeeding, and then like her bully, you could say, almost like letting um, go. Allows her, yeah. And then, yeah. She lets go, and then you got this new character in Sandy, who she's went on this adventure with, kind of. If she I'm sorry, Sandy, Sandy's not going to be your mum. Like, I'm sorry, that's bad role model. You've been, you've been hating her the whole film, and now you want her to be your next role model. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> no, because I think it was used at the beginning of like because it's never like a confirmation that she definitely has like supernatural powers or a bit. It's just like she sort of like in it's alluded to like her mum. She's got mental health issues and mm. and sees these but like she believes she's seeing these people so it's almost used as like a visual cue of like her mum's i was saying it to you wasn't it? like that her mum's always like she always takes her mum with her and almost with, like yeah would like if she's lonely or like having a bad day or something would be like asking her mum or like having her mum still around to sort of like not have a two-way conversation but to sort of like in her head get that sort of point across to her mum like like she mm. feels like she is because it's and it's all all of that's played like it's all in her head. It's not until stuff starts affecting because even like the first transformation is like a dream, and yeah, then yeah. it's like it's not until stuff starts happening and affecting her. Like once she has the hickey in the real the hickey world, on the neck, yeah. Then then it's not, yeah. and that's when it's like Reality maybe it's not just all in her head, and it's actually a supernatural ability because it's not just going into it saying like. Oh yeah, this is like you know you could you've been able to see ghosts from this age, blah blah blah, and you can connect with the spirit world like a normal action horror movie would, like yeah, take course, the time yeah, to establish. Yeah, spirit, yeah, yeah, I'm surprised spirit. I didn't have a bit more punch. You know, the hicking. It was like you'd expect there to be a little bit of music there to be really enforce the message that oh my god, she's got this hickey. Yeah, and then she goes off. Uh, like I believe the very next scene, she goes to bed and then she like closes her eye and then all of a sudden she's back there, and it kind of leads me yeah. to my final yeah. point really like all the twists and if it really makes sense in terms of it's a, it's a haunted house story. I'd say like she does go to sleep yeah. and then she wakes up in this alternate reality. She doesn't actually it's Caroline, leave the house. But live action. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get the reference, but I'm just going to laugh and nod. <laughs> she, so she's a kid that goes to a, like a parallel version of her house where her parents are all nice and friendly, but then they turn out to be evil basically. And it's very right. vibes for that where she's going into the dream world in the sixties and everything's fun the first few times and then it's starts to take a turn and then it's just dark and like she's trying to escape it. But yeah. it, it's it's in her own head, it, like in her own body is doing it to her instead of like actually going to this other version of her life. Yeah. George, you mentioned it earlier about the bed quilt like going over and then it'd be like really expanding you out. Love it. Yep. It did it again later, but with the staircase scene where she's going up the staircase, but all of a sudden, oh my god, yeah. there's a ton of stairs. Uh, and like never, man, yeah, like a never ending staircase. My uh-huh. name was very next good to me, and she kept whispering to me like 
kick her down the stairs, kick her down the stairs. And then when she eventually did kick her down the stairs, she was like, yes. And I was like, fair play, you predicted it. And for like those 20 seconds where they were going up the stairs, I wasn't even thinking that. I was like, oh my God, the anxiety was going to happen. I felt very much how Elise was feeling. I was like really scared for her. And I think the film does a really great job of like pulling you into what it actually is trying to tell you emotionally. Mm. That multiverse, yeah. of whether it's a dream fiction, yeah, autobiography of Edgar Wright's crazy fucked up life. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> and then the Very final good. twist that it turns out to be um, Diana Riggs' character, Sandy. Well, she turns out to be Sandy, but elderly. That was yeah. pretty cool. I thought that paid off. Um, I'm sure for Alexandra some people, Collins, yeah, it didn't work. But Diana Rigg big props was to Diana Rigg Rest in peace. She was superb. Uh, yeah. We have to cut. And I then like I found it really bittersweet. Yeah. I found it really bittersweet, bittersweet that yeah, she actually sure. dies. Like in her uh, last post-humorous release, humorous release, I'm not, I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, I've never that known she actually, it, so I just don't. Post-humorous. Yeah, yeah. yeah post-humorous makes it sound like you're laughing, but no, we're not laughing. Yeah, uh, it's like a really sad laughing, moment. Like the final moment with her in, in film is her dying and then she actually did die in real life. I found that really sad. It's a shame. And, I cried. Yeah. I this is one of the few films in my life that's made me cry. And kudos to oh, Diana wow. Rick's excellent performance. And I think uh, to amazing Mackenzie delivers her best performance in that scene. Like I like her, but I think her yeah. voice was a bit too soft for me to really like be happy with her as like a main character, like the lead character. I like it because the juxtaposition though. Like, I just like with Taylor Joy. Yeah, yeah, like oh, you course, say yeah. the, the kind of opposites. Yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah. And Taylor was quite fanboying yeah. in your face, putting on an accent but killing every scene. And she almost uses some of that, like because by the end, like you see in the thing, she's a lot more confident, and that's like the yeah, nice yeah, thing yeah, about yeah. it. But also, yeah. like I like how the bit where it's like she tries to slit her own throat and that, and like where she's coming after her, she's seeing her as her younger self as Anya Taylor-Joy yeah, and where, yeah. whenever it cuts back to the real world then it's still like Diana Riggs so that bit's almost because that's not the ghost because she's there but it's like that's having the perception on it kind of thing like it's mm-hmm. in her head and the whole thing of like you need to let like when she's in the room after like she's got half the cut on her neck and stuff and she's like you that need to let go it's almost like saying like you need to let go of me you don't like you need to stop living your life through me yeah, like, yeah, because totally, she's yeah. almost like going home and saying like you've got plans and like she's but she's living her life through this this like old this old woman's yeah. like previous life like yeah, she's yeah. vicariously living it but like that whole thing of like you need to let go and like almost like be your own person kind of subtext how the plot was threaded was superb yeah that's one example and another example that i can just flip off my brain is that diana rick's character actually mentions the phone in her first introduction scene where she first goes to see the room she says use that phone to call the authorities or whatever and then in the final scene she goes to use the phone to call the authorities because of course she's been drugged and whatnot uh, but then all these yeah. like zombies and the dead come out of the walls and under the floorboards. And then it turns out that she uses the actual phone to strangle one of them, which I felt, oh, like she was strangled. I can't quite remember the scene, but I like how uh, they tied the phone into yeah. that, especially how they made yeah, a whole oh, point okay. about it earlier, which I thought a bit weird. Um, hmm. But yeah, yeah Thomas yeah, and Mackenzie, yeah. 
there's a scene, the moment that really stood out to me was I I was scared for a moment because I thought the film was going to kind of give these horrible, horrific men like some kind of arc and say, oh, they're not so bad, where they're like, oh, help us, help us. And then you can kind of see her no, considering it. Of it, 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 it evil, and then, like and then she, she says, it didn't go into yeah, they deserved it. it. Yeah, that yeah. line, they deserved it, hit it out of the park for me because I thought, oh, please don't tell me he's going down yeah, the Yeah, they did, but you no. still shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's how I felt, and it wrapped up for me. A really great movie, and it's not perfect in my opinion. But um, again, as I said earlier, it's, it's the second best it's Edgar Wright close. film. It's close. It's very close yeah, to excellent. Up. It's fun, but fucked up. It shows you like it. But take out you want to be a Hollywood actress in the sixties. It could be anyone going down a certain career path. You think you are growing up. You want to be in the big city. You say London, or if you are in New York, you want to go to this and you want to follow the path and do all this. But then it can show you the rough and opposite effect to what you think will be your dream. But then, well, it's very much about like kind of. I'm not saying like, if you follow your dreams, you are going to get murdered. Like I am not trying <laughs> to put that out, but <laughs> well, but it it almost like does show the message of like not everyone who tries to go and follow their dreams is it's a success gonna, fit because it, yeah, exactly. She yes. has to mm. do some horrible things that she didn't want to do and ends up down a very different path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's almost like a subliminal thing, and like she all like she almost gives up. She tries to leave, but then she does a fas- uh, fashion show for the first year uni and it goes well and like she's good she knows like throughout the film we know because the the lecturer likes her and stuff like that and she's getting on well with it and she is good at what she does and what she knows and a lot better than like other people in the class and stuff like that but mm-hmm. it almost like drives her to the thing of she is one of the ones that succeed in a way yeah but then again it just feels a bit to me it feels a tiny bit drawn because we didn't mention earlier about the final scene was it evil was it nice like we just had a twist five minutes ago where she kind of explains oh i'm sandy which was a twist but then there was another twist in that that she's still evil kind of and she drugs her and then that's why i thought mm-hmm. when she's elderly you have the like nice moment where you see her like the pan out as she's burning in the in the room on the bed burning burning pretty much yeah. She's but guilty then, and she's repenting. Right? She she's doesn't want to prison, does she? But then the young version is still happy with her, even though the elderly version tried to kill her. So it's it's very confusing to me on what kind of what they were going with towards the end. And I just felt it needed that bit more I, time. Yeah, yeah, I think because okay, all the shit yeah. she's gone through is the reason why she's like ready to tie up loose ends at any point. But also that mm. she didn't want that life. She didn't choose that life. Having to do yeah. the things she had to do with that man to try and get the career she wanted and then regretting it and taking that frustration and anger out and doing it. Like she's not, she didn't set out to be a murderer. Like she's not a murderer or a horrible person. She just, she was did a that, she did that to defend herself yeah. and no one missed them because they just, like, they were all horrible fucking bigots right. anyway. Yeah, so bigots. like no yeah. one really yeah. questioned it and she got her, like, what she, yeah, yeah, she got her just deserves them for it and, her burning is just a no, like, I'm just, you know, this is it. Because the whole thing of the house having too many memories, why she'd never sell it. And the fact that it's burning down, like, she wouldn't want to get another place anyway. So, because yeah. the memories are going and that's it's almost like sort of the release for her, like the freedom. And that's why she sort of burns with it. So, that everything, like, that bad ever happened in that house, including her, is gone. It's almost like she's taken that from London. I like going back to detail. One detail I liked at the beginning when she's first moving into the room on the top floor, she mentions about next door because like the ghosts and dead bodies coming out the floor and Mm. stuff, like I said to you earlier, they come out the floorboards and they're all underneath the floor and stuff. But then when she first moves into the room, 
she mentions about like the cook next door, something about the smell of garlic, and says like, "Oh, once the smell is wafting through, it gets through the floorboards." Or garlic and or that toast comes or up something. Like, yeah. I'm like, "Blimey!" You're like, "Oh, it's spooky." There's a lot of parallels that actually feel justified because sometimes I feel like um, I'm going to link it to Doctor Who. Era. You know the Stephen Moffat two part in series one, uh, the Anti Child's one. Yeah. Yes. Um, part one, I think, is a bit weaker than part two. Part two is fantastic. But the reason I think part one is a bit weaker is because it doesn't really have a, like a coherent structure. And when I uh, put this to other people, they kind of say, oh, but there's this one thing that kind of justifies it. And I just think, no, that's just an odd reference, like one word. That's not a parallel that justifies why the story is so great. And I don't see that. But this film actually feels like it's worked up to that point. So it was absolutely justified yeah. and it absolutely does pay off. And I think that's a massive yeah. credit to the writing that Stephen Moffat couldn't, in my opinion, <clears throat> in that particular episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, I, and I think like with this, happened. like we've said before, like no Edgar Wright film really wastes any time. And this like uh, no, is no. like two hours long, but like every second of screen time is used effectively. Mm. Like it doesn't stop for breath, but it's not at a breakneck pace where you feel like, oh, hang on, I've like I've missed one thing here. I'm kind of fucked for the whole story. Like yeah, no, 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 it no, moves no. along at a fair old pace, but everything is important. But you get every bit of information out of it as well. Go into it not knowing nothing, go and watch the mystery. Exactly. Whether you're a fan of the twist, all right, you've listened to us talk about it and we've kind of explained 60% of it to you, but like you know, <laughs> a huge <laughs> appeal of it Can you the imagine? plot and mystery. Yeah. Mm. And it just works. You, I will put a spoiler point. warning at the top of the description, don't worry. Uh, but yeah, point you just said about the pacing, like about having everyone or and everything like established, but not spending too much time. So I think the love interest in John, like I would have loved to see more yes. of him and more of their relationship mm. to have like... Yeah. Uh, he does feel like he suffers, but he, I, I think he still he get suffers. enough out of him. But exactly. And I think him being so repentant to her, like there's this scene where like she has this knife and then she's having all these visions of the uh, people coming out in it's the library scene. And then it ends yeah, yeah, with her yeah. trying to stab this he girl. Just let or... her stab yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, fuck her. Fuck yeah, her. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh but then like Chicasta. even then, Sorry. after he sees that, he still kind of forgives her and like understands her mental issues. And I just thought that was superb. Mm. And I think um, it's very apologetic to that kind of stuff. And that's why I think it's so important. Not personally, like I don't suffer from mental health stuff. I'm not trying to be preachy or anything. Just from like an outsider's mm. perspective, I think watching three of Edgar Wright's films, I think this one's the most heart-hitting message for me, at least. Yeah, I know. I 100% agree with you on that, yeah. Because it's not a comedy. Maybe It's got a point, I suppose. No. no, I'm not saying yeah. comedies don't have a yeah, point, yeah. but you know, no, no. But this is telling a more real story in a, in a more real landscape that would mm. connect with a lot more people in this situation than being in a zombie apocalypse would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but if you want to like. Like another time, if you want to have a love of Christopher Nolan in depth conversation about comedy, you know, subjective, obviously, but then some comedians, some directors, I'm not going to name names on this one if we ever, you know, talk about it in a further subject, but, you know, some of them are trying to outdo their previous works and, mm. like, they are just being yeah. silly whereas, as opposed to yeah. funny. And whereas, Edgar, that's a whole other whereas Edgar Wright's always got a, a point, a story mm. within it that is just based on, like, even like Baby Driver is at the end of the day a love story. Like self growth and like hating yourself, but coming to like actually accept who you are in um, mm, yeah, yeah, course, World's yes. End. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, there's yeah, nice. bits yeah, yeah. like that for like there's real stories that you can connect with in those things, and it gets to a point like after 
like hot fuzz and that it's more of a thing of like this is the real story we're telling everything else around it is just like window dressing yeah it's me it's me directing but then yeah if you pay attention and you stick with it then this is what i'm really trying to tell you mm. Mm. what would you like to see edgar Wright do next what kind of genre oh um so yeah so comedy comedy it was scott pilgrim that's like all <laughs> comedy action it's almost like a superhero movie really yeah it? yeah it's his kind of thing um baby driver action ish movie horror Heist, yeah psychological thriller horror and then what i'd love to see him... a periody drama like a period piece sure because yeah. you could also I, like i guess you could call this kind of like well. a periody um a period drama because to me there were some times where i really had to pinch myself and like say to myself no this is present day and not like old-fashioned mm. uh, because of course there's He's technology and it kind of pulls you in because there's like mm. moments where you're with the main character <clears throat> and she says like oh Kylie Minogue and then she says no Jenner and that's like the snap to reality mm. and like you are yeah, in the present day it, you it, have, yeah. Kylie Minogue no yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. that was that's fantastic good. and it, it mm. kind of acknowledges what it's trying to do because to me I think it is very purposeful in how they portray it because I did feel like I was in the 80s or the 70s a lot of the mm. film mm-hmm. um, even when we were in present day because like the grandma she had like outdated views of like men or whatever uh, but of course it made sense yeah, and like the house she lived still in very relevant opinions though oh of course yeah. of course um but you know like just like the trying to hover oh, over the, the old-fashioned values and them. stuff like that as well yeah, yeah. And then, like, the contrast to that, like, you have this really young girl who wants to go out and express herself and whatever, and mm. she's trying to be oppressed by the grandmother and whatever. Um, so, yeah, I really love that. So, yeah, period piece. I, I'd argue he's done it here, but maybe more drama. Maybe, and, but yeah, I'd like to see, like, a whole film in those entrapments. Like, just, I agree. I would even... Yeah. Part of me thinks, give him stars, give him some wacky sci-fi, whether it's an original concept yeah. or something pre-based... Let him go big money, sci-fi, CGI budget. Let him do over the top. I would like him to do, like, in terms of, like, a superhero thing, if there was something I could give him right now, because I would like, because, like, Ant-Man does have, like, the shackles of, like, yeah, it's Peyton Reed directing it, but this is an Edgar Wright story. Yeah. Through a different man's eye. I'm pretty sure, yeah. And Mm. it's only in Ant-Man and the Wasp that you get, oh, this is, like him yeah, like yeah, telling yeah. like the story of these characters mm-hmm. so i would like him to sort of um i would love him to see like his interpretation of a marvel film like i think Ant man on the wasp if that was the film he was meant to do or the original Ant man like Ant man on the wasp is like a crazy movie and i think that's where the failings are so i i would be interested to see what he would have done with that film but i just think the problems with that film he would have just exaggerated because that's the style he kind of has. No, yeah, I'd, so I don't I'd think love to worked. see him do something like an Adam Warlock film. Mm. Something of that, like if you're gonna if you're gonna like nail it down to MCU. Because I would have said like he would Black Panther maybe Fantastic Four. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a shout. Yeah, but like we're getting John Watts for that, so that's you know I'm not I'm not fucking. Yeah, we're about looking that. at Spider-Man filmography at the minute. Yeah, yeah, ain't a bad thing. Have him do one thing instead of the whole kind of production. That would be interesting. Of course, he's yeah. not doing the sound pole as well, but you know what I mean. It's like directing, producing, uh, writing. Yeah, 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 yeah Give him yeah, yeah. one assignment just so he can focus and nail that, because I do think he gets lost sometimes. Even though he's a fantastic director, like this could mm. definitely do without all the. Um, I do find the iffy. Like the metaphorical creature is a bit iffy, like the shifting face. I just think ah, this isn't scary for me. The final scene where they come out of the walls and the floorboards, absolutely. But like that in the library scene, yeah. I just think 
yeah, I, I, I'm going on a journey with her. I'm not scared for her life because I know they're not yeah. there. But maybe that's not mm. targeted for me. That's how I saw it. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you guys want to touch upon before we move on to the audience interaction and then we go to our scores? No, it's nothing. I think we've kind of really covered everything. Yeah, we really have. Yes, probably more detail than we did. Maybe definitely. Yeah. uh, Again, the link to their video will be out um, tomorrow. It will be in the description. You guys can go over and do subscribe. How many subscribers are you on now? Let's set a goal for you. Two hundred and forty-seven. Can get them up to two five two maybe. That that would be a result. We only got one reply this week. John Ryan. Who said, "Twas amazing, a fantastic film that feels like a love letter to and a warning about rose tinting the past with perfect performances from all the cast and a superb soundtrack. Uh, and that final act is stand right, visually, emotionally and perfectly terrifying. Go watch it now. Uh, yeah, so that was John Ryan. And then last night in Soho, I won't go for the reviews, but just the scores. Joe Decon gave it a four star. Luke gave it a five star. Helen gave it a four star. Harry Memory gave it a three and a half star. Will Templar gave it a... Uh, uh, Cole Oakley gave it a 3.5 star. Dan gave it a three and a half star. And George Sherrod, who also goes to the name of Ace Creeper in Doctor Who Realms, gave it a 3.5. Uh, so that wraps up the audience interaction. Fairly short compared to most weeks. Uh, but yeah, very positive on the whole. The rest of the episode really fucking long. <laughs> oh, absolutely. This uh, recording has been on I mean, for really, so long. to be honest, if this video gets enough likes and petitions, you could release a Snyder Cut worth of this. I mean, Zack Snyder come on, direct it, and get it all out. You know, you, you know what? Got, like, yeah, let's do that. Right. Trilogy from this, this video. Point, let's be honest. Um, our most liked video is eight likes. So if this video gets nine likes, we'll do that. I, I mean, think this guy's it, it's going to get at least 10. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. I hope so. I do have a good feeling. Uh, do you guys have Letterboxd or like just a general review written down somewhere? I did install it last night when, yes, but I didn't set it up. But I might interesting look into it. Um, a real contender for my top film of this year, Edgar Wright continues to outdo himself with this beautifully written and directed masterpiece. Both Thomas and McKenzie and Anya Taylor Joy shine bright as the stars. Matt Smith is devilishly bad and a gorgeous final performance from the late Diana Rigg. And then I give it a star out of five. Uh, one star? No, I gave, it, star. I gave it a mm, star. Oh, yeah. I was just like, I gave it a star out of five. <laughs> oh, what, we're doing the scores now? Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So, because, so for that, for me, I would still say it's a five star. Awesome. Because if I was going to rank it, it would be... Like I know you do the halves and that, but mm. in terms of just keeping it hot, like it would be a f- like a four and a half, but it's closer to a five. Like it's not one hundred million percent perfect. Four point seven five. Like if you really had to push it, or you just that committed to five. No, it's like it's it's between a four and a half and a five, but it's closer to a five, and I don't. That's like, fair. Yeah, you don't want. Yeah, yeah. Keep it mathematical. Keep rounding up. Yeah. Just doing half, then you're basically ranking it out of ten, and then you might as well just give it a score out of ten. True. So yeah. In the mm. terms of the score, it's more a five star film than it is a four star film. Um, it's not one hundred million percent perfect, um, but it is very fucking close for me. Jesus, you padded that, Connor. See now, I've got to do. Oh, is he five star? I've got to give it it's a number. It's, it's opinion. Yeah, right. So now, listening to you, you, you just give it a star. 
Look, here we go. <laughs> out of stars, four out of five stars, but without a ten, nine and a half out of ten. <laughs> Shadow does <laughs> But there you go. <laughs> because you don't want to give it the five because you think five is synonymous with perfection. And it would be like top film of the year, which I know it isn't. It okay. probably is on my list, but it's not like number one film of the year. No, no, I understand so, your reason. Out of full number stars, because I got pressured into giving a full number, went, there you go. But out of 10, it'd be like a <laughs> point five. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Because yeah. I get your Bar- point about it. Bearing in mind, yeah. we do do uh, 0.5 stars. So you t- technically can do that. Out of five, what would you give it? 4.5. I think for me, it's slightly higher than a four and a half star. Yeah, I, for me, not because of my personal. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to add like another yeah. like quarter or a third of a star. Like no, no, be, quarter, yeah, no, exactly. Just, that's where it gets stupid. Yeah, it's just like round it up to. That's why I'm rounding mine up to five. But like, I completely get your reasoning. Yeah, no, and like I say, not taking my personal nitpicks of the plot in consideration and stuff, and I'm just purely going off. If, if this is this bed, um, is this the best Edgar Wright film? My answer to that is no. But nowhere, nowhere near, a, nowhere near a bad movie. I haven't no. given it one or mm. two or three. Uh, it's in the elite category of like it's going to watch movies yeah. of this year. Okay, so, this. Yes, I shall savage this with a long one. So long, <laughs> it fits. I don't know where I was going with that, but my review to keep it on track. Oh. To be fair, I ain't gay, but I wish. I, I wish. That come Man on crush, is, is, is a very Man Crush Monday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't think I was going to like it after the first 15 or so minutes. Then it ascends. Boy, does it ascend. Anya Taylor-Joy, mm. the late Diana Rigg, and Matt Smith were brilliant. Thomasin McKenzie had her moments, but the other three were simply terrific and outshone her. Uh, excellent use of symbolism, and the narrative is threaded wonderfully, though the symbolic antagonists felt a bit bleh. And yes, I knew the point of them from the very beginning, but their ultimate demise was written excellently, but mostly because of the script and McKenzie. A film where Edgar Wright attempts something different and it works really well, though the Wrightisms are still there, which I've read about being a negative for some people, which I put in brackets uncharacteristic, as people like the Peg Frost trilogy endings, despite similar occurrences. Uh, So I do see a bit of irony there, but that will be for another day. Uh, Though for me, the ending really worked. The twists were handled well enough, uh, giving the film a satisfying conclusion. Not the best film Edgar Wright has ever made, but this may be the one is remembered for the longest time due to his themes. And I gave it a four star out of five. So it's very bloody good, but I wouldn't yeah. say it's on that level of perfection. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, get, I get it. I 100% agree with you. Well, you don't because you gave it a five. <laughs> I, I just have to, because, I have to just because my reasoning is it's much better. It's closer to a <laughs> no, five than it better. is to a four. Out of the limited yeah. film budget he has, uh, out of the pocket money he gets to see films this year, of course, this is going to be his holy grail out of the 10 films he's seen. Whereas out of the 15 this year, I've seen much Three more, only three more. It's yeah. fine. It only, only, not one hand more. It's fine. Not your, t- your toes don't count. It's fine. <laughs> You're really sad oh, today. Yeah. <laughs> naturally, hey. naturally. A call with all three of us when is it not? Uh, but that was great. There is a lot of tangents that have to be cut out, but um, I think we pulled it together in the final half of that recording. Like that, the all final 50 minutes, we smashed it. We are our positive channel. We, like, any attention we just had for the last 10 minutes, you feel <laughs> quite freely cut them out. Like, we're, we're a loving channel. We're escapism, positivity, blah, 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 blah. No, they hate each other I and they have guns to each other. Really. I watched Vacation Friends. I'm going to add that to them. Next week, we're reviewing 
Halloween kills with Dominic J. Martin, uh, the purple doctor himself. Uh, he yeah, was on Ch- okay. Chase mm. and a load of other stuff. And Make Halloween sure kills. Thank him for my um, ticket on Sunday. But yeah, how was Galaxy 4? Um, amazing. Buy it. It's funny, but not for necessarily the right reasons. And it was just a great <laughs> experience, and I hope that we can all do it and no, hang out not. up near the BFI and watch. Uh, Horns of Nine, what now? Because it won't be. It's really, really unfortunate. <laughs> the animated extended 10, 10 episode version. If it was a 10 episode War Games type event, would you go up there for, for Horns of Nine? I'd fucking camp out for Horns of Nine. One. <laughs> uh, but yeah, subscribe to Pasty Sheep. Uh, pasty Sheep is what it is. Pasty as a prop. Pasty Sheep, yeah. Wait, time. no, that's just the name of the channel, isn't it? It's called the Nerd Bible Podcast. Yeah, that's the podcast. Yes, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I know my stuff. I'm almost. But yeah, for now, see you guys in a bit. Peace out. Bye. Peace. Stay pasty, you lot. <laughs> oh, just don't. Just, just don't. <laughs> <That's> what? <laughs> <laughs>